Hello and welcome to episode 161 of What Most People Think. I am back from Edinburgh, I'm back in my house and I got out of there on the Sunday, uh, Sunday the 28th, I did my show, uh, it finished at, uh, just before half six, I was in a cab, I was at the airport, it was like that film Argo, you know, <laughs> when everything was just fucking going to shit behind me, I just about managed to get on a plane, I was like fucking Ben Affleck getting out of there and look, I, you know, I enjoyed the run but the bins... You'd have all seen about the bin strike up there. It's pretty rank. And and one thing I noticed about being at home is that it smelt better. It smelt better being at home. And I don't know, given, uh, you know, the tourist appeal of Edinburgh, whether that's a great thing for the city going forward, is that you've got loads of uh, American tourists coming home going, you know, the shows were nice. It was The castle was nice. It, everything was nice. But it just smelled so fucking bad. I just, I saw a rat eating a rat. I did. I did. I don't know if it was a street performance, but a lot of people were videoing it. Um, I don't know who that impression was based on. Um, we've got we've got a guest episode this week. So we've had the last two guest episodes have been Constantine and Francis. We had a trigonometry doubleheader. So let's go back to, you know, the other side. I don't know if this is even relevant as labels go of the political cultural debate. We've got a good old fashioned lefty himself, Mr. Mark Steele. Obviously, you know, you recognize him from uh, Radio 4. Don't have a got news for you. And uh, Mark, you know, I mean, like political political differences are one thing, but we both come from South London and we're both comics. So I feel like that always balances it out between me and Mark. And we have a very interesting chat whereby I had a, like a list of things that I wanted to talk about and mainly it was politics. But and I hope you'll indulge us in having one more deep comedy chat because it does feel like it's been an issue this month is we get into a lot about the creative process and about comedy and about labels with the comedy industry and obviously Mark having you know been around and seen various phases of it is a very good person to speak to uh, on that subject and we do get to his views uh, on the current uh, Labour Party as well we also talk about uh, this Labour MP that had a never kissed a Tory t-shirt on oh you fucking rebel um the main talking point, the main talking point from the last episode, uh, it's just a point that David Domain, he he comes back to me, our, our CFO of the board, uh, he comes back to me on several points and he said that we're talking about, you know, just, just the quality of life in the UK. And he says, according to the last human UN Human Development Index, the UK has the 13th best standard of living in the world. 13th. It's not that bad. I mean, I suppose it's got the sixth biggest economy, but that's still good, you know, like... That's all right, isn't it? And and just bear that in mind when you hear people. I, I think that I think David might be responding to me talking about fringe audiences like um the performers on stage going, you know, while the world burns, you know. <laughs> and me looking around and going, I don't see too much fucking burning, you know. I see people that are having 15 pound lunches. Um, so I'm not saying that there aren't problems at the moment, but I just as is always the case, please keep it in perspective. Um we've got new board members. New board members, a brand new board member, and I think a new patron is Jim Wright. I mean, if ever there was a businessman name, Jim Wright, Jim Wright's getting the uh, the red eye. <laughs> Jim Jim Wright will be catching the red eye back from uh, Sam Fran. You know those kind of wankers that uh, always. But Jim, Jim, Jim's not about that life. Jim is a troubleshooter. That's who Jim is on the board. Jim's the troubleshooter. Kathy will bring you your coffee. 
Jim. And yeah, Jim does have a female PA because Jim, he just wants things done properly. All right, Jim Wright, jetting in on the red eye. And we've also got somebody who's upgraded to become a board member, Dean Sanders. Dean Sanders, I know I've said this about your name before, Dean, but I cannot, I just can't, I'm a 90s football guy. How can I not think about Dean Saunders? How can I not think about his impressions, that famous, uh, do you remember, this is a very sort of uh, blokey slash niche football reference, but they were on the FA Cup coach. Remember that when they used to go on there and they used to meet the players and Dean Dean Saunders did some impressions. I think he probably, I mean, because it was uh, the 90s, I'm going to guess that he did Frank Spencer, Frank Bruno, because those are the only impressions there, weren't it? Oh, Betty, Frank Bruno, you know what I mean, Harry? And then Margaret Thatcher, I am saying to the honourable man. And, and and was obviously obviously seen as a comedy uh, genius for all time. So welcome to the board. Now I'm back from Edinburgh. I will be sorting out uh, this, this, this merch for the board members. And you know what I love about the board is it's not even official. Not only do we not have advertising on this podcast, it's fully funded by Patreons. Do we have a top tier that isn't even available on Patreon? Like, I just I couldn't get any more off the grid. And speaking of much-loved patrons, we have a couple of new VIPs uh, in the mix. Alan Dumbraven. Alan Dumbraven. I'm trying to work out whether that's a Scottish or an Irish name. Or is it either? Alan Dumbraven. Alan Dumbraven. This would be like the fucking... This would be a, a poet, wouldn't it? At the Hay on Wee Festival or somewhere else, somewhere else that someone like me would never get books. Uh, Alan Dumbraven will be reading from his new folio, I don't even know what it means, uh, entitled The Taste of Leather. I mean, that just, <laughs> that just doesn't sound like literature at all. That just sounds like sounds like dirty stuff, isn't it? Uh, so, Alan, welcome as a VIP. Uh, Christopher Morrison. And there you go. Christopher Morrison. He'd be, he be your establishment poet. Do you know what I mean? Alan Dumbraven writes brutal, brutal literature about the enslavement of people's... Uh, whereas Christopher Morrison, he'd probably be the Poet Laureate, wouldn't he? I've never answered the Poet Laureate. That must be the ultimate fucking sellout. When you go, you got so good at poetry, uh, poetry you now have to do it for the government. <laughs> is that how it works? I don't know. What is, I'm sure that this is classic David Domain territory to sort out my thoughts on this. But what is the Poet Laureate? They go, oh, we've got, there's an Olympics. Write a fucking poem. You know, oh, man, I don't feel that inspired about it. Oh. A man running fast. Heard. I mean, I would love to see. I would love to see what kind of shit. Not what the poet laureate eventually produces, but how bad the poems are that he doesn't release. You know, when they've told you, because there's something when you've got to do something to order. And he's trying to write a poem about the javelin. Oh, javelin, spear in the air, catching oh, javelin. <laughs> Imagine that. And knowing that the Queen's going to hear it as well. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, I haven't thought of a good metaphor in weeks. And we're going to get into the chat with Mark very quickly. Uh, just a quick thank you and a fuck you. Thank you to anybody that came uh, to my Fringe run. That was the first time we sold all the tickets. You couldn't sell all your tickets. Well, I did sell all my tickets. A couple of them, uh, they sold out on, on the day. But that was a nice feeling, walking out every day to a full room. And uh, I did a little tea time show there. And as we discussed on the Patreon only episode, which is available exclusively to all tiers of Patreons, um, is that, yeah, it was a more fun show than I've done up at the Fringe before. I was on at tea time, you know, you can't push it quite as much then. And uh, I just thought, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. And, I, you know, I, I, I did some subject matter where, you know, you have to 
kind of take risks. But overall, it was probably the most fun show I've done for a while. And who knows what I'll do next time. But it was just it was just a laugh to do the show. And, you know, the fact that the, the Fringe was overall, it was down t- more than 25% in terms of sales. But the, the fact that, uh, that I was able to sell out is, uh, well, I mean, it just seems like a wanker kind of game. Well, I've outperformed the market. That's essentially what I'm saying. But, you know, I've been lucky enough to do some a lot of TV bits and stuff like that. So, so I am grateful for that. Um, the fuck you. The fuck you is to beer fear. Now, I went out on the Wednesday night. I went out on the Wednesday night. I met up with Ian Stone and, and friend of the podcast. Well, both friend of the podcast, uh, Simon Evans, and we got on it. And I would say that whoever that punter was that bought me a whiskey uh, and Coke, what the fuck was in that whiskey, man? I, that that burnt my esophagus. It burnt my esophagus to the point where I'm putting that down as a left-wing assassination attempt. At the hiccups, it was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. Um, but I got I got drunk and uh, I was out till uh, maybe half two, half two, and I went I went to like a industry bar for a drink and stuff, and it was all fine. You had chats, you know, talking shop, all this shit. But what happens is, so I get up in the morning and I'm hungover, so I get a fry up. I attend to that, but then over the next couple of days, in my mind, I get this beer fear. I don't know if anybody of you get it. Email in what most people think UK at gmail.com. I just decide that, well, if I can't remember exactly what I did, then I must have done the worst things. Does anybody else get this? You think, well, I can't remember. Maybe I was, maybe, what, what was I doing? You know, what's going to emerge here? You're waiting for your phone. You want to you want to basically ring and text everybody you saw and go, was I all right? You know, and then you're throwing yourself at the mercy of people either not responding, in which case you spiral, or people just going, oh, mate, you're a fucking nightmare and playing with your emotions. And then saying, or saying something like, you were fine. And you're like, what's fine? Was that only medium level handsy? What does fine mean? And and then you, you can go even further. I mean, in the past, I've, I've, I've sort of got a handle on this now. But in the past, I've speculated all the way up to the point where I'm going, well, that's it. That's it. I fucked it now, and I? Uh, there's going to be CCTV footage of me stealing money off a tramp. Because <laughs> I can't remember it. It must have been the worst thing. Okay, now set yourself in for a lovely chat with Mark Steele. And by the way, we I, we were just chatting uh, off mic as such, and then but Mark was talking about what he was doing, and so we sort of be ready that we're just going to roll straight into this chat. And it's very organic. We jump around subjects. It goes here, there, and everywhere. But uh, I hope you enjoy the chat with the brilliant Mark Steele. Can you just say a couple of words, Mark? Uh, good morning. I come to you there from you Newport. That's. <laughs> are you really in Newport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the, the number five of this series is Newport uh, for the yeah. in-town shows. So as ever, I get obsessed with the place to the point of like that it's it's an illness, and I have to I struggle not to um, just bore someone silly about Newport. Well, you know what? I mean, I am recording, and I think what, what we're going to do is what is called in the industry a cold open there, because I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't know you were going to be in Newport. So you're recording another series of your your radio. Yeah, yeah, show, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Ma- so, Mark uh, Steele, Mark Steele, it comes to town. Mark Steele in town. So in town. Uh, at the moment, the town makes yeah. So each one, I feel. So I go to a town, I find out as much as I can about it. I then get obsessed with it. I try to learn the accent. Newport's particularly difficult. Um, yeah. This because it's a bit Bristol as well as Wales. And, I, and, and then, a bit Englishy, isn't it? A lot of invaders. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Way. Well, it, and it's only just across the border. I got this is my phrase that I've, I've learned. 
all right, uh, all right, I sees you in the I sees you in the park on the draw, you noser. Right, I'm told that's it. If that's that isn't a pitch to be part of the rebooted Gavin and Stacey, I don't know what is. <laughs> Are they Newport? I think they're a bit Western, aren't they? Like that, that, it was good, though. Bit. That was a good Welsh accent. As we all know, uh, a Welsh accent, once attempted, can drift into the subcontinent. So I think yeah, yeah, yeah. well there. Well, like, uh, well that's different. Because what I, what I, I was trying to do new, new pop when I was here on Saturday night, and then sort of uh, and a few people were going, oh, uh, uh, you're drifting off to you're drifting off to the Bally's. Because that, that's quite easy. I don't find that quite mm. so hard, really, if you go to the Bally's or you go a little bit west and up, you know, then it's... That's quite an easy accent for me to do. But if you, but Cardiff's much harsher. But well, as long as you're not drifting off to Bangladesh. I oh, think no, that's the, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, no, it can happen. It, it can, can happen. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Why there's a Venn diagram in accents <laughs> between all of Wales <laughs> and uh, India, Pakistan and Bangladesh. That's um, very bad to try. Oh, I tried to do, I tried to do a show about Swansea and I've ended up cancelled. <laughs> uh, by the mayor of, of two billion people, by the mayor of Karachi. <laughs> um, um, so you're out there, you're on the road doing that. So when will this? Um, we've got to use. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to sort of appeal to the young. When will this series drop, Mark? This series will drop. Uh, it, well, the series has already started to drop uh, on Radio Four, but I don't know if you can. That'd be great if they started doing that. The continuity announcers. All right, yeah. that the next series of Mark's doing town. Bruh, <laughs> listen up. It's going to drop Tuesday, 6.30. You're getting me. Uh, I mean, but- that drop is a word I don't think you can use. I don't think Radio 4 is ready for you. But, <laughs> mate, the way the BBC's going, do not rule it out. Do not rule it out. So so you're out on the road recording these now. Did you get up to the fringe at any point? Not at all, no. I think that's the first time. Hmm, it's certainly one of the only times in apart from obviously the sort of two COVID years that, it, that when it wasn't really on, that I've yeah. not been up at all. Even when, after my son was born, I didn't then go up for the whole three weeks until such time as he was old enough to do me doing his own show up there. But, yes. Uh, uh, you have a son who's a comedian, which we will we'll come back to later. Yeah. But this year, this, so this year was the first time no, for a long time. No, because I've been doing this programme and I've done a cut, I've mm. done sort of two, three recordings of this show while I've been up there. And yeah. I, uh, for about two months, uh, I was I was listening to people like yourself talking about all the stress and anxiety of getting a show together and thinking, I'm so glad that I'm not going. And then I yeah. started seeing people like yourself then talking about what a brilliant time you were having. And then uh, my partner Shappy went up, who's a comic, and she, she's gone up for two days, for two days. And then every time she rang me, she was like buzzing about something she'd seen and people she'd met. Yeah. There. And then I thought, oh, no, I wish I was up there. But maybe I was because I've sort of followed people like the sort of people I was listening to was people like yourself, uh, Omid, Sean, one or two other comics, all of which, because you did brilliantly up there, I get the impression. It is brilliant. It is for anyone listening who's thinking of go. Oh, it's brilliant thing to go and watch shows because you can. Yeah. Well, I, I, you don't invest so much in a show if you're going out of a night. It's such an obvious thing. If you're going to go and see a show in normal life. Yeah. All right. We bought the tickets before. We booked a babysitter. Whatever you've got to do. It's a big palaver. If you then go and it's not very good, that's a real pain in the ass. But in Edinburgh, you're just wandering along. You go, oh, I'm, you meet a mate. I'm just popping in to see this show. I'll see you yeah. in an hour. 
And if it's shit, it doesn't really matter. In fact, it's quite funny. And it's sort yes. of, so there's And it, you can relax. It. You can take yeah. it as an opportunity to take, because you walk around a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I was watching a show the other day, right? And I won't name the show because they were young and, and um, I'm sure they'll improve. But uh, right. it, was, it, was a, it was a sketch <laughs> troupe. It was a sketch <laughs> troupe. And the best oh, moment right. in the, sh- <laughs> in the think, show came. I think they won't improve, but yeah. No, no, I think there's a strong chance of that too. But but the um, but I was sitting there. The best point in the hour came. I was sitting there, and I thought I, I knew within 15 minutes how it was going to be. Um, and then I remembered that I had a couple of soft mints in my man bag, and and the, I knew that it would take me two minutes to to find them and eat them. And I thought, well, that's two minutes off the total. Now. <laughs> like when you're a really boring office job. Uh, yeah. and I used to think. Oh Christ! If I go for a piss, oh, I've already been once. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, but that's going to take. If I, oh, I can sit down. If I sit down on the toilet, that's two and a half minutes. I can possibly drag my piss out too. That can get me over the tricky midday hour barrier. <laughs> if I start my walk to the toilet at 11.53 uh, and, and, and absolutely manufacture a conversation with reception. <laughs> yeah, I used to kind of... I'm going to try and crowbar an old bit I used to do. One of the first bits I used to do in about... Uh, uh, you'd be so... Bo- that's it, in an office job. and I, oh, The job I was in, London Transport Office job, and I'd sit there and I'd be going, oh... God, I'm so sick of this. I'm so fed up with it. Oh my God, what's the? Oh my God, I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm not going to look at the clock. Oh, how long till lunch? I, I really hope it's ten to one, but I bet it's only half past twelve. Oh Christ, right? Okay, I'm going to look at the clock. Look at the clock, please, please be ten to one and not half past twelve. Here we go. Oh no. Five past nine, <laughs> and that's we and all know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that was this job I had for London Transport, and I think, like yourself, you when you've worked in those sorts of jobs, it can half propel you to get up early and write anything, anything yeah, that go. Back I can to that. kill an hour. I can. I've become quite good at wasting time. I mean, I'll go and watch shows. I remember even ten years ago when I used to watch another comic there, but my mind would drift a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do. I do. I, I find it. Uh, I'm, I'm able to focus more. And I've also got this really bad habit when I'm at the fringes. I know. I do go and see a lot of comics, and I do pay for all my tickets. Well, I try to. And um, but uh, I also love going to the cinema as well. There's something about going to oh, the cinema yeah. while the Edinburgh Festival's on because you feel like there's a lot I could do this fucking anywhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're in Paris and you go for a Big Mac. I just I, I went to see, <laughs> I went to see Thor, the God of Love and Thunder. Not even a good Marvel <laughs> film. I mean, you think I'm at the heart yeah. of an arts festival here. There's people extending themselves, you know, dramatically. Uh, there's 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 dance. There's physical theatre, and I'm sitting there watching the 58th instalment of the Marvel Brilliant. franchise. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I, that there's just something rebellious about that, isn't there? I think I would like to go to the Edinburgh Festival. And then just staying for three days watching reruns of Bullseye. <laughs> just, just, just like go, yeah, there you are. Fuck it. Fuck your culture. I, I used to, oh, I must just say that, uh, just to leave a think of Edinburgh. I, because I, I, I started this little uh, habit many, many years ago. And I always, I've done it every year at least once, sometimes two, three, four times while I've been up there, where, 
I just, at some point, I'll just be sort of, I'll think I'll do it now. And wherever I'm stood in Edinburgh, I'll just walk in a certain direction, choose a direction, and the very next venue I come past, I mm. have to go to the very next show in that venue, no matter what it is. And I've yeah. found some peculiar venues, but you might just go past one that's well known, but you to go and then I go and buy a ticket and they go, all right, it's no, 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 don't even tell me. I thought if you can do it really well, don't even tell. And I've gone in not knowing what it is. And I've seen some amazing things. So brilliant things, like I saw a brilliant Black Lives Matter play thing by these students. And then I saw a disabled dance group. There was one bloke just sort of a, had no arms or legs and he was dancing in a box. It was unbelievable. I never would have gone to it. But also I've seen some utter, utter unimaginable shite. And uh, I saw a, <laughs> a puppet show where they were recreating Pulp Fiction. <laughs> puppets <laughs> and they're sort of dangling these Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta and uh, he's going uh, mother fucking cheese with fucking oh the fuck and then it all got tangled and, uh, and they had to come out and apologise and untangle the um, uh, you know the big boss man or Uma Thurman or something and it was uh, <laughs> it was just and I caught the eye of a mate I'd gone with and that which was a terrible mistake and we just cried laughing it was so funny um, just one last thing on the fringe before we move on to the politics is that people have discussed the ticket sales and obviously you know it gives rise every every, um, every discussion now has to come down to who's the fringe too woke I mean here's the thing Mark right the idea for someone like yourself that's been going up there a long time, the idea of the fringe suddenly becoming woke is is an interesting one. Like it all of a sudden became yeah. very politically correct overnight. Yes. All right. So is that so? That's your what you're asking is whether is whether it's become more woke or whether the comedy. Well, I suppose what I'm. Yeah, I guess because of your experience of being up there, I guess when I knew I was speaking to you, I thought you might, I wondered how you might think about that, having been a working class comic that went up there years and years ago yeah. and thought, fucking hell, this is a bit right on. And it, yeah, so yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. No, that I it did, suddenly became that. Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. that's, you know, that's part of a bigger question. I mean, I sort of, um, uh, and I think it's where, where you and I sort of, um, sort of connect in a way, is that the... I mean, I'd, right, to start with, I, it is utterly absurd. When you see articles that sort of say comedy is to this or comedy is to that, that is so, or equally comedy should be this or should be that. Comedy should punch up, comedy should be, uh, or whatever. You think, mm. well, that's, no one would talk about any other art form like that. You wouldn't say music should be this, music should mm. be country, music <laughs> should be hip hop. Music yeah. should be a violin concerto. It's all bloody different things, isn't it? Hmm. And of course, and and of course, anybody who's got a vague interest in comedy, if you if you you would, I mean, I I think Richard Pryor's early films were uh, amongst the most inspirationally brilliant, funny things I've ever seen. But equally, I'm perfectly happy listening to Tim Vine do his daft one-liners. You know, and hmm. bless him, and uh, uh, you can't. Just say it's one thing. That's so miserable. And not only one thing, but it has to be the one thing saying things I agree with. I like the first 20 minutes yeah. of his act, but then he did a thing about cats 
that doesn't pertain to my experience with my cat. And so then I thought it was wrong. I mean, those, that's, what's, nobody should be like that. But also, uh, what was the other question? Well, I, I, to, to be honest, it wasn't a very good question because I said a bunch of stuff and then, and then rounded it off. I mean, yeah. I, I suppose the other thing I was alluding to is the oh, factions yeah, uh, the factions in comedy. So I guess on the one side, there's people like it's me, Simon Evans, uh, Leo, you know, Andrew Doyle and stuff. Like that. And then on the, on the other side, there, there's acts that are, you know, vocal, not just about their political views, but but opposed to, you know, like the something like Comedy Unleashed going out on tour and stuff like that. And and I guess maybe it's a victim of like just feeling a bit more nuanced these days. It's like, I want it all there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that's what I find odd is that, that, that these things should be an op. They should coexist. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. They should coexist. I think it's a false... It's a false division, really. It's uh, it's comedy. It's not a political. It, it it's not a a, a, com- a party conference. It's not a general election. It's mm. it's comedy. You ought to be able to. Uh, and so, really, I think a good comic or a com- not a good comic. What does that mean? A comic who is in any way able to connect with an audience, be able to call themselves a comic, really ought to be able to make people laugh who don't necessarily agree with the exact sentiment that they're that they're saying. I mean, I I think, oh, I don't know, I get in a pickle when I try to analyse what I do or what any other comic does. But it's pomposity that gets on my wick, I think, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, and I, Certainty. I am, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't think that the most woke left-wing person in the universe would say that the left do not have a bit of pomposity from time to time, such as most of the time. So, um, and so that's that's really funny. I think it's really, or even not possibly. Here's a, right, here's a little thing I did. Well, I was quite nervous the first time I did this, but it, it seems to go really well. <laughs> so I've got this thing I've been doing about why about Labour Party members who really mean well, but they make these speeches and you think, oh, no, is that helping? And they go, <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, in my street alone, there are currently 80,000 food banks. Uh, there is now more poverty in this country than uh, any time since before the Stone Age. <laughs> When I look out of my window, I see nothing but relentless misery and endless gloom with not the faintest glimmer of hope. Vote Labour. <laughs> and I feel a bit... It's a branding a issue. Bad. I feel a bit bad because I think I do mean well, but that is, I've seen people do them speeches and they No, really no, I laugh. think it's a real issue. Was I think under Miliband, it sort of became a victim brand. It was like, are you being ignored? Are you being pissed on by everybody? And a lot of people go, I don't wish to think of myself yeah, in this yeah, way. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Some people will. And then the Tories, you know, whether or not, well, it's very debatable whether they deliver on this. They go, you want a few quid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want to do all well, right yeah, for yourself. Yeah, 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 and that's, yes, and the left after, I don't know, and the people who've been sort of a, a, in any way successful on the left, even 
partly successful, even temporarily successful. They're able to inspire people and make people feel mm. better about themselves, not just go, oh, yeah. You, don't, <laughs> you can't win people around by going, oh, so you think your life's going all right, do you? Well, it fucking isn't. It's shit. <laughs> Absolute shit. You might be in a job now, but let me tell you, they're going to fucking destroy. The gas bills are going to go up so much, you'll be eating your own pets by October. That it. has been a feature of British politics about eating pets. It started with Brexit. <laughs> you're going to be eating rat. You're going to be eating pigeon. The rats are going to be eating the rats. Like that's how bad it's going to get. Um, I, yeah, I do think that like there's. It's always that point of having a reasonable point, which if it resonates with people, they'll take you seriously, right? So you say like the in, like for most people, the income that you've got, you'll have less disposable income, and you'll really feel that. You know what I mean? This is my, what it might equate to in terms of your own lifestyle. But what, what I've noticed even with the current thing is the media are going, right, no, well, what is the price cap now? What Can anyone find out what it might be in May of next year? 10 grand. All right, there's one analyst saying 10 grand. And I think it becomes almost a numerical sensory overload where people go, I can't even think about yeah, what yeah, that yeah. will no, feel that's like. absolutely right, yeah. That's so I'm no, longer, I'm no longer listening. It happened the same in the, the, the Remain campaign, which was we might have super gonorrhea, no one will have any paracetamols. <laughs> And, and and speaking of serious political people, there was another one of these um, storms over the weekend with Lucy Allen, is it? She's a shadow frontbencher uh, for Labour who wore, she went to, I think it's Manchester Pride wearing the Never Kissed a Tory t-shirt. And, and you oh, know, okay, yeah. so she photographed herself. So it's one thing, all right, she wore it, but she photographed herself saying it uh, with the top on. And she obviously thought this was a good thing to share. And, and she was out and about. And I thought like, I, you know, I've been I've been through the period of getting angry about this stuff, and I just think that it's just it's, it doesn't make me angry at all. I just think she's like a middle aged woman. It's really embarrassing. It, she's this is campus fucking politics. You know, you're 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 vying for government, and and the, the vast majority of people that you need to form a majority will be conservative voters that come back the other way from 2019, and you might think the Tories that you've never kissed are Michael Gove or people like that, but they might think that oh, do you mean me? It's just, it's so infantile. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think when someone's young, I mean, God knows what, I mean, I did some crazy things. Of course, things of course yeah. I, yeah. I did, that. if that was the extent of the, of the sort of stupidity that I exhibited, mind you, she's not, she's in the shadow cabinet, is she? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's okay. part of Keir Starmer's <laughs> government in oh, waiting. Right, and I think, okay. I sometimes feel sorry for him because he's going, look, we just need to see him, right? Everyone on the same page. We just need to seem a bit serious. And then, I mean, the problem was it wasn't even a political march. It was about pride, which is about inclusivity. Now, I know that that doesn't mean that they have to include Tories. No one has to kiss a Tory. But you also don't have to wear a fucking T-shirt drawing attention to it. And I did I did a joke at the weekend saying, because um, I'm, I'm past being angry about these things, but I said, I, I've never kissed a Lib Dem, but that's more to do with statistical likelihood. You know, oh, that's very good. <laughs> there you go. Always punch on the Lib Dems. <laughs> if in doubt, let's all get together and give them a good kick in. Um, but but it is. I have. Or kiss the Lib Dem. Well, you don't know, do you? It might Someone might have subsequently become a Lib Dem who I might have kissed when I was 19. I don't know. Tories, any? wouldn't have thought so. I don't know, I really. Mean, I don't know. This be... is sort of getting into a... It's getting into a personal area I wasn't anticipating on this podcast. We can, no, we can steer away from it. I mean, but all I would say is that there is the, the, what I call the grudge fuck can be a thing of joy. You know, sometimes 
sort of oh, joining yes. together. I did have a brief affair with Theresa May. In there you go. Sixteen, yes. I yes. bet you, I bet it was dynamite, wasn't it? Yes, I don't know what it's completely slipped my mind. Sorry, Theresa, if you're listening. <laughs> you're a citizen of nowhere, Steel. <laughs> Say it again. Say, it. <laughs> tell me. Uh, uh, yes. So I am of the opinion that to sort of categorise either politically, stylistically, or in any other way, comedy in all these sort of boxes is just completely mistaken. It's why when on the news quiz or sort of a programme like that, they go, we must have a left-wing person and a right-wing person balance. I think, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because I think if someone's a sort of, um, if someone's an half-decent comic, then they're going to be making jokes in all in all directions really i'd like to think that i've done that i don't think i go on those programs as the voice of the left or anything i can understand it on on question time but um and that's the same from you know that that's the same from from all directions i think that what is very different ah now here we are i wonder if you if you want to touch on this subject but obviously i've followed the business about Sadowitz up there mm. and uh I uh so I, I saw a lot of the sort of anger about it of people on both sides but where I really thought now that's wrong is people saying oh this wasn't acceptable when it was Jim Davidson why is this sort of language acceptable when it's Jerry Sadowitz it isn't he can't be allowed to do it and so on and I thought that's so um shallow because I'm really not a fan of Jim Davidson because I think when he said things that were really, really foul about immigrants, for example, there's something, and this is what all these, all the people who just try to view comedy by taking the words and putting them on a page out of context, what they miss. The thing with Jim Davidson, he said those things, you knew from, the, from his eyes that he meant it. And with Sadowitz, it's much more complex. And I, I do this show where I go, so tomorrow night as we're sitting here, I'm going to do a show in Newport. So I'll be talking for an hour. And I've, I've, the, the script is just an absolute barrage of abuse about Newport. And if it goes along the pattern of all the other shows that I've done in this, this over 10 years in this programme, it'll go well because they'll know that I've come to love it. If I if I mm. do one of these places and I don't really have an affection for it, you can't do it. And it's like when you're talking to a mate. If you've got, you know, I've got a disabled mate. He's got one arm and no legs. And when I push him to the pub, I might go, you lazy bastard. How many more times? <laughs> Why don't you take me one day? Now, if you just took that out of context and put it on a page, you'd be cancelled. Yeah. But it's because yes. you yeah, know yeah. in his eyes that now with Sadowitz, it's much more complicated. He's not anti-immigrant. He's he's playing a character of himself as a tortured, manic soul. And if Hate, you- hateful, yeah, like a, a kind of composite of all the worst things. I mean, that was what there was a thing, you know, in, in one of the few things that we know about what he's reported to have said. Uh, well, it was a clue, I thought. Um, in this quote that was in The Sun that said, um, he said that the economy is fucked because it's being run by blacks and women, which is obviously like, that, that you know, that's a quite a, a taste to it. But that's such an absurd sentiment, right? Yes. That the economy 
is being run by black women. I was, I thought it was interesting that, that quote was used because if you've got any sense, you go, well, that is fuck-. like literally nobody thinks that. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, world, yeah. no, only only a kind of mad kind of barroom drunk or someone sitting off their face at a fucking bus stop would say that. So I sort of thought, well, that was interesting yes, because exactly. you're right. Those words, those words. Some people just see those words. I think, well, you can't say that. Which to me, that sort of demonstrated that it, in a way it wasn't meant to be taken seriously. Now it's tricky, isn't it? Because when you're defending a, a, a sentiment that does include, you know, two minorities, it, it, as comics, it's never easy to be in this place, but. I did think that that kind of underlined what you said is that we can, we can make subjective judgments over intent. Yeah, my little thing on that I put on Twitter is I love Twitter because nobody ever ever takes anything literally on here, and <laughs> of course that's what people say. No matter what you say, someone will take it literally. And it, if you're sort of going to comedy and just seeing the words as statements as a series of decrees in a speech reading it like that, like a politician's speech, then you, then go and see politicians. It's You're, you're in the wrong place. Mm. It's it, So it's much more... You don't have to like Sadovich. You can be appalled by it and so on. And I think there are problems with some of the things he, he does. I do find like... Because, it, again, it's where, it's where he really... Where someone really means it, it is very, very different. You can see it in their eyes. That's that what, is still a subjective judgment, though, I suppose. That might be the, yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah. It's still within the person. Like, you know, for example, if I was to say something ironically, you know, and then it gets quoted out of context, um, there was a bit that I was doing in my run. I was talking about Ruth Davidson. I told a story about when, and this is true, I was on a topical show. So you know that her nickname in Scotland was the Bulldog, right? Right. And, and it's something she liked, she cultivated, she used about herself. So I was on a, I was on a topical show. And I said, ah, the old bulldog, right? <laughs> and then the record comes to a fucking stop, like, because I've just called a lesbian a bulldog, right? And then people are going, Jeff, um, do you, I mean, could we, could we just get a bit of context? For that? And, I, and I was like in character trying to explain it, going and realising how bad it sounds when someone like me is going, ah, that's what she calls herself. She loves it. She's one of the ones with she's one of the ones with a sense of humour, right? So I was like playing the part of a guy that was making something worse. If you just then review that or take it out you know not only did he call Ruth Davidson a bulldog or if you even leave that aside and just said oh you know I took issue with his assertion that lesbians don't have a sense of humour then what I guess I guess is there'd be way less people would defend me you know because just the simple left right division you know then the presumption would be from a lot of people well that squares with what we think right wing people think uh, so I suppose what I get, I guess I'm getting at is, is with, with left-wing comics, maybe Sadovich had a bit of credit in the bank, perhaps. Well, you know some things as people actually actually speak out uh, and say certain things. And I think, and because the sort of, because the people who are energised by a certain way of thinking, they will, um, they are more likely to, for example, on Twitter. And I think that, people get so angry about stuff on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, I think most people on Twitter are perfectly reasonable. So I would go say when uh, about two, three weeks ago, I can't remember when, I put on Twitter and I do whenever I'm gonna about to start writing a show about a town, who knows anything about Newport or before it would have been who knows anything about Salisbury or Nottingham or the ones I've done. And 
I get like about a thousand replies of people who either live there or know the place mm. and they tell us stuff like they're in Nottingham, everyone meets at the left lion in the town or, oh, that's fascinating. Everybody does yeah, that. Yeah. You know, everybody knows Frank who was um, died <laughs> in 2004, but for 20 years sat outside the town hall every single day, unable to play a glockenspiel, but just banging the notes. And everybody loved him <laughs> so much now that there's a tram named after him. Brilliant, right? That so if people tell us stuff like that, and which makes me so happy. <laughs> and that, those are the thousands of people who are on Twitter. Normally, they wouldn't reply to anything, but there's something they think, oh, that, mm. that that's pertains to me. Compared to the handful of people going, fuck off, you bust, you shit, fuck, fucking wanker, how dare you, fucking, oh, I thought you were better than that, how dare you. I had a joke about it. I go, um, you could put anything on Twitter and offend so you could say, I'm enjoying a delightful sunset across Dorset this evening. And someone would write, not so delightfully if you suffer from sunset aversion, Dorset syndrome, Mark. <laughs> I thought you were better than that. And uh, so <laughs> I love that one where they go, I'm disappointed in you. You go, Do you realise how few people legitimately in a lifetime get to be disappointed with you? It goes, I mean, it's my mum, my dad, and my favourite teacher. And, and they're all and, and they're all dead. So you and, know you, uh, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, and Graham at four six three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. yeah. How can someone who's not never met you? I thought I thought better of you. you go. Well, you fought wrong. You fought well, wrong I, because yes, I never. I don't know. Do you reply to him ever? Not not these days. I mean, when they say like uh, you're better than that, you go, well, I'm not because I said it. Yeah, Evidently, yeah, yeah. I'm no, not I, better than that. I, I, there's a two or three times, and I've just said I've done even feel good about this, but I have occasionally just replied to someone when they say that. I say yeah. I am so so disappointed when they go. Oh, I used to be a fan of yours. I say I'm so so yeah. disappointed that you were ever a fan of mine in the first place. Please go and take up another hobby such as canoeing, and I, <laughs> I and I just sort of. Yeah, exactly. It's the disappointment because you don't want to be. I don't want to be a spokesperson for for anybody. And if you're, yeah. and again, it's that they're only they're only following you to to because they think that that you're in agreement with them. And that's not what we both know. That's not you know, That's not our comedy works. No, but no, I think and, it's and, and, so small. I think all of this argument about there's woke and anti woke and all that. I yeah. think most people don't give a shit. I think you could do you could do jokes about pretty much anything if it's funny and mm. it's clearly not coming from a nasty place. Then I think that most audiences are absolutely fine with it and they understand where it's coming from. And it's just I don't know one or two percent of people that that want to make comedy into a that sort of battleground. I think. I think what happened, and I think maybe where the labels were briefly relevant was that period, and I think there's some truth to this, in the 2010s where the the, the, the direction of travel in sort of big P and small P political comedy did get a bit sort of predictable in a way. You know, like there were, there were certain valid criticisms of that and then it just became kind of one way. And, and for a while, you know, it, it, that seemed like, you know, maybe you needed to put labels on it for a while to maybe rebalance it I don't know there needed to be a, a debate there and in terms of kind of cancellation and censorship there was a sort of period for a few years where it did seem that it was becoming a more retributive environment but I would also say that that seems to have balanced out you know with Netflix and Channel 4 and yeah, certain yeah, yeah. people sta standing by their men so I do think I, I think where we're at now is kind of a good place where it's not that we've arrived anywhere new 
it's that for a process of argument and stuff and the the application of labels, I sort of feel a bit like you. So we, we can almost just take those fucking labels off now again and go, right, comedy should be a place that, that as it used to, had, you know, edgy... Because it's not like edgy humour is this brand new fucking thing <laughs> that, just, that, that just happened. But it's, what's so odd is that the moment you put a label on it, you know, and it all gets called right wing and a lot of it fucking isn't... Um, uh, the, yeah, I, I sort of looked at the Edinburgh marketplace, if you want to put a wanky word in it, I thought, I think this is healthy now. I think that there's this tug of war that's happened. And, and actually, the process of the tug of war is the important thing, is that there's hands on both ends of the rope. And now we can just, just go back to kind of all doing what we do. But, um, but that, you know, I think the media have got used perhaps to, uh, this is a good place for them every once in a while. Now, this is where I think, I, I guess we'd agree, and I think we'd be on on fairly firm ground here. Uh, I'd say you, you'll get something like, it might be a discussion on the radio, and you'll hear the presenter go, mm. so you're doing a, a show about, I don't know, in which you talk about you were abused or something. Is that really a subject for comedy? And um, that makes me mm. so frustrated to think, you would not do that with anything. You would not say to a playwright, Oh, so this is a play about <laughs> war. Is war really a subject for a play? You've written a song about your parents dying. Is that really yeah. a subject for a song? It's because comedy is still seen as lower than all of those. It's like, it is, yeah. oh, well, that's, that's only if you're being frivolous about a subject. You can't address a subject in a serious way if you're doing comedy. And I'd find that very... Very frustrating. So, no, if you're quite right, you can do any subject. It's what you say. You know, there's mm. loads and loads of Jewish people do fucking brilliant jokes about the Holocaust. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's it, it's marvellous. It's, but, uh, oh, no, I think is it really a subject you can joke about? Yes, it is. It's what you say, not the fact that you're saying something about that subject. Okay, just jumping in. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Mark. We've just got one uh, other patron to say hello to, uh, Simon Tomlins. By the way, whatever level of patron you join, you will get a shout-out somewhere in the podcast. Obviously, board members and VIPs up top, and then uh, the middle tier will be in the middle, and uh, sometimes, uh, well, yeah, basically, you'll get you'll get your name read out in the podcast, and you can also uh, submit to the Patreon only, and there's um, very... Why the fuck is... I think my, door, my dog is slamming a door downstairs. Can you hear that, or does it just sound like I'm having a ketamine flashback? Um, Simon Tomlins. Simon Tomlins, who knows, sounds like he would know Christopher Morrison. Simon Tomlins. Simon Tomlins. Uh, conveyancing. I bet you're a fucking conveyancer, aren't you, Simon Tomlins? If there's anybody working in conveyancing, genuine, genuine questionnaire is, does it ever go smoothly... Does it ever get concluded within six weeks? Does it ever go without you having to ring them up constantly and man manage them? Because I get it. Maybe like they're, they're, there's like commercial property sales and mansions and then they see some prick like me, you know what I mean, by the family home. They're like, we'll get to that come when we get to it. But has anybody ever had a good experience of conveyancing where it's just, it's just always a fucking nightmare, isn't it? You just don't hear from them. You don't hear from them for three and a half weeks. And then they go, oh, yes, yes, yes. There was, um, yeah, it's been held up, unfortunately. They're playing with all your deepest emotions, right, about where you live now. Yeah, there was a, there was a query about a window, a window that opened only halfway. You go, 
Uh, yeah, no, that, that's fine. That was uh, it was broken and we fixed it. I rang you. Oh, right. OK, well, I'll pass. I'll send a letter. That'll cost 500 pounds. I'll send that letter to their estate agent. And look, we'll get it moving. I think we could be done in pff, maybe three months. This has already taken six months. I'm living in a fucking car park, mate. Um, but nothing against conveyances. I'm sure, look, not all hashtag. Oh, I'm going to say all conveyances. Prove me wrong. I've never had a good experience. Um, so now I'm finished with the uh, the tour and Edinburgh. I don't have anything exclusive to punt. I mean, obviously, there's the book if you haven't. I mean, a lot of you, if you're going to buy it, you'd have bought it, right? But um, there's the audio book version, which you can get free, well, sort of technically free, with a membership trial. Um, so if you can be asked to do that, do that and give it a five. Oh, that's the other thing. Five star ratings. If you enjoyed the book on Amazon, uh, you know, just get in there and, and give it a rating. Keep that ticking over. And, and obviously social media. I'm trying to increase my TikTok presence. And that is the place that I'm putting new stand up clips. Um, a few people have asked me about would they at some point be able to see video of the last tour? That's going to take a while and I can't really explain why but there's certain legalities with material that I'm doing on other shows but trust me at such a point if and when I can put it on Patreon I will put it on Patreon okay now let's jump back into the chat here with Mark and I think we're coming straight out and finally talking about some politics Right, I was loving the cultural chat there, but I don't, I don't want to um, sort of have our time together and, and not pick your brain about politics. And it's a thought that occurred to me, you know, somebody who has kind of centre-right politics and economics and stuff. However, I do think it is odd right now, at this point in time, that Keir Starmer seems to be stepping away from avowedly left-wing policies just at, at a point where they become fashionable, right? Yes. And I'm trying to work this out. It's been years, right? Labour have had this difficulty where for a long time the public have been, you know, broadly against that. The tabloids even have been against it. In the meantime, like recently, a lot has moved towards that. Not socialism, perhaps, but renationalisation, good public pay settlements. You know, all this stuff is now very common thought. And I'm trying to work out why the fuck Keir Starmer is doing this. It's really weird. Um, mm. And so I guess I guess the question to you, right, is do you have any time for this idea that he's, this is a master plan, right, for 2024? He's going to allow this discontent to percolate. And then uh, in 2024, he's going to drop, you know, there's that word again, this this manifesto seriously left wing and it won't seem weird. Uh, or, or is he just terrified of what the... Uh, of what the Sun are going to say. Yeah, the latter. I don't think there's any master plan. Uh, I'm not a fan of sort of what thinking there's a master plan. So these are, I think, conspiracy theorists <laughs> bonkers because these people who are, you know, the, the Pentagon or whatever, these people are, are complete bloody fools after them. They're not capable of a master plan. And Gear Starmer yeah. certainly is. But I think it's much simpler, Jeff. I think that he thought we cannot possibly make Labour presentable again unless we convince people that we have completely changed since the days of Corbyn and that bit I understand and so I'm going to make sure I do that and if anyone goes on a picket line I'll suspend them and all that sort of thing uh, but that makes you completely incapable of judging when things have, have changed and that's why I, in a way I think this comes back to the the flaw in the argument that you can only win an election from the centre. It's true, but what that ignores is that the centre changes. So, yeah. 30 years ago, if you said, I support 
the idea of gay people being married. You were an extremist. You would be absolutely pilloried for saying that in the 1980s. Now, you would be considered an extremist if you said we should abolish gay marriage because the centre ground mm. has changed on that issue, it's become much more liberal. In other ways, it's become more right-wing and so on. Uh, so you've got to be able to, even if you were just looking at it, not from a point of view of what am I going to, what do I want to change, but even if you're just looking at it from a point of view of pragmatically winning elections, which is what the right wing and the Labour Party say, we're the pragmatists, the left are the, not the pragmatists, they're not being pragmatists because, as you say, I mean, I, I'm amazed that 60, 70% in polls are supporting the rail strikes. Yeah, a say, majority of conservative voters at the moment as well. Yes, oh, 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 in favour of no, in favour of renationalisation of uh, exactly of uh, energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So that's extraordinary. Uh, I've just been just before I was talking to you. I was talking to people in Paris because uh, a couple of people in Paris because I'm doing the, the show there next, and they can't work out why we're in such a pickle here and why it's such a pariah to consider. Uh, nationalisation in, in at any level of the energy companies. Um, so that's now mainstream. Emmanuel Macron is not a socialist. He's the he, he left, he's, he's to the mm. right of the, the centre-left party, if you like. He, and and yet that seems perfectly reasonable to him. And I think Keir Starmer just doesn't seem to have grasped that. I think there's something else as well, which is that I think that the Labour right completely misunderstand what Blair did. I'm no fan of, I never was a fan of Blair, particularly not after Iraq. But what Blair did, now, one thing, I remember having arguments even at the time with people on the left because they said, oh, he's, he's, he'll be busted before long, he's an idiot and so on. He's just riding on a wave of anti-Tory uh, sort of sentiment and so on. And <laughs> this sounds so, so facile. But he went on the Des O'Connor show and he charmed those people. And I went yeah. on the Des O'Connor show about a month before him. And I did all right, but I thought, that's not easy. It's not easy mm. to go, and especially back back then, these sort of people who were seventy back then were not like people who were. 70 and you're a now. comic. You've got certain things that you can yeah, do yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, win people yeah. over. Yeah, and yeah. he charmed them. And I thought, don't underestimate this bloke. That's one. That's a simple thing. More important, Blair wasn't just about moving away from the left. The things that he proposed seemed at the time like the minimum wage. The right-wing press went nuts about that. It's going to cost a million jobs and all that. Abolish fox hunting. That People went nuts about that. Devolution mm. for Scotland and gay civil partnerships, uh, amongst other windfall tax on the uh, mobile companies, wasn't it? These sorts of things that he proposed seemed radical at the time. Now, Keir Starmer, he's done the attack on the left bit, but he hasn't put anything, he hasn't suggested anything that makes you think, oh, this is going to be a new world this is going to be different and uh for that reason i think that the lead he has in the polls is very fragile i think it might maintain because i right. suspect liz truss is is probably even more hopeless than than he is but hmm. I, th I i th i think he's not he's not cemented that i mean you must you know i don't know how much you can remember those times in the mid 90s but but hmm. blair felt like a new a new young 
voice. Oh, he's a political force. He felt like the prime minister to a good two years before he became yeah, prime yeah, minister. Yeah. He was just like, but the press went to him. It's fucking embarrassing for John Major. It's like he's being cuckolded in public. It was like, you know, I'll stand yeah, back. Yeah, you know, yeah. let this go. Let this young guy show you how it's done. He, he can go. He can last a bit longer. I mean, it was it was it was quite humiliating. Um, and in terms of of you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a forceful political movement within the Labour Party. Now they might be outside it. You got people like Wes Street, you know, who's promising. A lot of people like him, you know, East End lad, and I, I like it. I think he communicates and mm. in a way that people understand. Angela, I mean, Angela Rain has got a lot to like about her, but a lot of her stuff is she's kind of like the John Prescott. You know, it's a fucking disgrace. That is, you're gonna fucking take that. You know what I mean? She's like fucking. I've, I've said it before on this pod, on this podcast, but she does seem like a sort of a pundit on Monday Night Football. She goes, that is a disgrace. I tell you what, he's still in power after that. I mean, the referee wants to have a word. And so, so, but they, but that is like, I, I feel like she should be offering more than that. But it's almost like there are a lot of tribute elements in modern politics, you know, trust with Thatcher, uh, Rayner with John Prescott. And I, I think that it's, you, you're absolutely right in what you say about, you know, what would be called the Overton window of what is uh, yeah. considered common and, and familiar and, and, and not alarming. Into that mix comes the rehabilitation of senior trade union figures. I mean, all, like literally overnight. Suddenly, you got Mick Lynch, Eddie Dempsey, Eddie Dempsey. I love the way Eddie Dempsey speaks. I wouldn't, I couldn't, I shouldn't. Um, he, <laughs> he just, he, he seems like Sonia's cousin off EastEnders. You know, Eddie but, Dempsey's yeah, but, coming. Yeah, but all, but also so articulate. What you're basically what you're saying, yes, because that's that. It sounds brilliant, doesn't it? When you've got someone whose apologies not been used yeah. to having someone like that opposing them, and then they, yeah, Eddie Dempsey or yeah, Mick Lynch. Yeah, basically what you're saying, and he waits for him to finish, and then just says. Well, basically, what you're saying is not true. On Wednesday, we were at the talks. So you've just claimed that we weren't, and all of that. And then he goes through, and then he goes through all the arguments very, very simply. And it's just, and people are amazed by it. a bit like they were with Corbyn at the start. I think I know it's very different, and it's easy. But to- is there not something a bit? I mean, I'm I, I'm sort of going with this line. Is there something a bit patronising about the reaction to working class guys like that? Because they're going, you know, I just I, I just love that Eddie Dempsey guy. I mean, he just <laughs> it's so refreshing to have like a working class guy that knows what facile means. I mean, it just, it just yeah, go Eddie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at dinner parties, I'm going to get. Well, it's marvelous because what we've done is we've actually invited uh, someone from the executive of the GMB uh, round for the evening, and he's going to be our trade union leader for the evening, and he's going to bring in the dessert <laughs> all right i brought this in because it's something that i feel is a requisite auxiliary to the main course <laughs> it's wonderful it's <laughs> one last thing um is you know obviously while boris johnson was in power and you know the left they love a bogeyman you know and uh, so he was he was the worst of course every sitting conservative prime minister is the worst that there's ever been and the most fascistic, you know what I mean, the most Trumpian. And there was a period, and let's not forget this, where people literally thought Boris would not leave power. We're gonna we're talking about tanks here. There was a brief period where he's not he's holed up in the bunker, it's him and his head of PR and all the, all this sort of stuff. It's quite a and funny then, image, though, isn't it? I've been doing it the, 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 yeah. when it comes to the last day, it'll be on the roof like uh, Al Pacino in Scarface. Say hello to my <laughs> little friend, fucking and, uh, and Nadine been clinging. Can you fucking traitors? Look what you've done to this great man. And now, of course, trust is it's going to be trust. And then you get this movement on the left that they go, look, you know, 
And look, I mean, Johnson was bad. Yeah, yeah, already but... before she's even there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you, Truss is a fascist. Now, I can remember this, honestly, through Cameron, no, no, when Cameron went, well, look, at least he was quite socially liberal. Theresa May is a fascist. Theresa May, look, she added social justice element, but Boris Johnson, he is a fascist. And then we, is, is that part of the sort of left-wing terms of membership, that whatever, it, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like... Uh, What's that? Was that Orwell thing about um, Eurasia are now our friends? We are. There is a bit of that. And so I guess the question I'm asking is: is, it, is Have the prime ministers become progressively worse over the last four? There's an argument for that. Uh, and is trust genuinely the worst in a line of sort of ever decreasing returns, or is this just part of the left wing sort of standard play? Uh, I think if we well. Part of the problem, and this is definitely a discussion for another time, so it could go on for a long time, is like how you define the left, because there's the, there's the organised left that, despite the fact that the Corbyn was of that, um, was, was very much part of that, and we was leader of the opposition for, for four years, that despite that, um, there's the organised left is very small compared to what it was in in the 70s and 80s when it was you know there were a million members of the Labour Party in the 50s there were a great many people there were lots of left-wing groups that had a certain amount of influence you know I was in the Socialist Workers Party and um, when I was younger and that's you know, that it was it was never more than I think in reality maybe at the most five or six thousand members but it had a certain amount of influence a certain amount of cachet mm. it certainly doesn't have uh, now, could certainly be happy to talk about that at some point. Um, but there were lots of other left-wing groups. The left in the Labour Party, the militant and so on, they were uh, of a size. Now it's very, very small. So the left doesn't really speak with a voice. It's much more disparate. It's much more groups of people on Twitter and Facebook and stuff that are sending out messages. It doesn't... It, it's not a considered opinion, if you like. Having said that, my personal opinion about the sort of, uh, I don't know, if you were grading the last few prime ministers, I think that a change did happen with Johnson, certainly, whereas he broke some of the some of the constraints that were there before. I think one of the things, uh, one of the things that he broke was just presentational, but it just, I am just going to say anything, and if I'm caught lying. I don't care. And I think that mm. came from Trump. I think when Trump lost the election, I thought, I did say this at the time, I thought, I think Johnson's stuffed because that's, Trump sort of made that, he made that palatable. He made, he created a bit, almost sort of lots of Trump supporters knew he was lying, but didn't, didn't care. He didn't, he didn't get caught lying and then try to cover it up. Oh, so what? I made it up. I said that there's places in Sweden where you can't go if you're not a Muslim or whatever. So what? And I think Johnson had an element of that. Johnson was constrained in a way Trump wasn't because he was had to do it through the the sort of the the traditional Conservative Party, whereas Trump sort of almost usurped the mm. Republican Party altogether. Uh, but I think that he did break things there and I think that's why he enraged a lot of more liberal people even within the conservative people I think he's absolutely yeah. you know you hear Rory Stewart talk about him Stewart clearly hates him and I and I think that's genuine you know I think Hesseltine and Clark and people like that they absolutely I mean in a way probably similar to the way lots of Labour mainstream people despise Corbyn they see they see him as something mm. that's broken the genuine 
right, and I guess people on 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 the the hard the, the harder left viewed Blair. I guess you know that the, the, they'd fundamentally break broken ranks with like a, 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 a sort of sort of unbroken line of what the party was supposed to be about. Yes, in a sense, so that wasn't just policies because Blair. Uh, abolish clause four and sort of move. You know, yeah, that uh, was uh, that was what I was trying yeah, to remember. Yeah, yeah. So. and he went away from the. You know, he said, "Right, I I am no longer part of that that uh, of the, the traditional Labour movement, if you like, and so on." But but yeah, I think that Johnson broke broke the mold, if you like, and that's partly what made him popular with certain people. He's not he's not mm. part of the elite, which of course is ridiculous because he's the absolute symbol of the elite. But I think that that's what. Um, so I think, in that sense, I don't think there's any great mileage to, to be had from judging, you know, like <laughs> putting him in order, Cameron, mm. May, Truss, whatever. But I think Johnson broke that. I think, though, that that was temporary. And I think that when the parties happened, it's sort of everything. I think, you know, do you know what? I think the comics would be really good pundits on these things. Because you you know when a room is turning, you know when it's going, <laughs> you know when you're a comic and you see another comic yeah, yeah. at a rough club, and you know yeah. the audience has gone against them before the audience knows itself. You, the muttering, it's like a little storm, that wind that comes before the storm. And last Christmas time, I just I was out shopping and I just heard so many people talking about is when the parties at first yeah. the photos and all that people were so angry and i and i thought he's stuffed here that's not i know that i know exactly that moment you mean in a gig so what will happen is a couple of punchlines won't go for as much the comic will audibly sigh into the microphone forgetting that he's been amplified <laughs> around the room and then in, in the gap between one gag and the other, a, a pint glass gets knocked <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, the audience hold that against you <laughs> as a comic. And then you try and start another joke and somebody coughs. Yeah, and you yeah, know yeah, it's not their it. fault, but you think you're trying to ruin my fucking career here. Uh, with then that the eyes cough go, alone, don't they? Then you can see it, the eyes yeah. start going from side to side. The mouth well, so much of it is, is is implicit, isn't it? It's a social interaction, and then so in a way, I think you're right. Being being prime minister, it's like, oh, you know, even the people are well, you know, he's a laugh and he is a this, and then suddenly it's like, oh, that that joke is uh, is no longer uh, funny, and uh, yeah, and it's a question of whether. So if we if we sort of bring this comedy metaphor to a conclusion, whether. The compere then hands over a truss <laughs> who then tries to take that energy and just double down on it yeah. and go, I'll be even more fucking mental me. I'll call Macron friend or foe or goes, oh, actually, you know, like, let's just, uh, let's take it down a notch. We all remains to be seen. But, uh, but look, I get it. She's a conservative prime minister. I think that there is some sort of duty of the left to call them all fascists. I t that, those are the rules of engagement in politics. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I didn't see it, I'd think that something was fundamentally broken. Um, and, and, and Mark, thanks so much for appearing uh, on the podcast. You've obviously got your own podcast. If you, uh, it's called what the, what the fuck is going on in it's, it's called. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, and I really, really enjoy doing that. But I talk to people like yourself, and then we have, you know, and then yes, I've been... oh, talk about people sort of taking it things literally. <laughs> so yeah. I always say George Galloway's on it, right? It's not him; it's obviously yeah. on him. But I have, I just sort of, I, I just, I have him every week or most weeks talking about something ridiculous, mm. you know, like Strictly Come Dancing. Let me put it to 
you who's on Strictly come down, who's going to be on Strictly, yeah. you know, whoever it is. Your pasa doble is nothing more than an ignominious descent into oblivion that has been characterized by your lack of movement as you so called all that sort of thing. So every now and again, I put something on, on Twitter or something. Once again, we're joined by George Galloway, and of course. I get loads of people going, why are you having that idiot on? I can't believe it. <laughs> that, always, <laughs> that always amuses me. Well, there you go. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you are in on that joke. So stay tuned uh, for that. But, it's an, you know, it's an excellent podcast. And, I, I, you know, obviously the series is on uh, Radio 4 already. And if you get a chance uh, to see Mark anywhere live, then obviously take that. And uh, Mark Steele, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Absolute pleasure, Jeff, as ever. Great having you on. Lots of love, Jeff. Cheers. So there it was, the chat with Mark Steele. Um, do do seek him out, you know. Do seek him out. He's uh, he's very experienced and and, and a funny comic, and uh, he got a lot of interesting stuff to say, you know. And as you could you could hear from that chat, a lot more nuanced than he sometimes given, you know, or, or made out to be, you know. Like he's like a raging lefty. I, I don't know about that. He's got he's got he's got barbs for both sides. So do check out his series on Radio Four. Uh, I'm just gonna I haven't done this for a while. I'm gonna check uh, for any reviews on iTunes. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do uh, give it reviews anywhere you can. And so I'm just going to... There's always a risk this, isn't it? That there won't be any new ones. And, well, fucking blow me down. Last one, 5th of August. 5th of August. Is that... What, have, I, have I not done anything good since then? Hmm? Hmm? Is that it? Well, you're not appreciating it? Because I'll tell you something. All right, the patrons, they're paying their way. They don't have to. The rest of you... I mean, there are thousands of people out there enjoying this podcast, but you, you just what, you can't even click five stars. Is that what it is? This is a great way to end a podcast for Jeff, especially if it's someone's first episode, by nagging them. Yeah, all I'm asking for is an unequivocally brilliant five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> all right, that's it. Yeah, go out the door. Go down the pub. That's what you always do anyway. You're just like your father. Oh.